Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Many of you know Axis Deer is considered to be the best-tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui Venison is bringing those Axis Deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. How's it going, guys? Yo, when we got up here, we were doing a thing called sound check, and we found out that, well, Jimmy Dorn was all excited about Eddie Vedder and him jumping around up here. Right there. He jumped um, right off of there. Oh, right there. Yeah. (laughs) But more important than that is Houdini. Houdini was on this stage. He was right right about here. Right here. Two times. My brother always likes to talk about how Houdini died, where Houdini felt that, do you guys know this? That he felt that he could, like, clench his stomach and withstand any blow. And some kid was like, well, I'll try it, and fucking killed him, man. Like, hit him. He did. Well, we got, we, we were discussing that. We thought you were part of the conversation, but you obviously weren't listening to us earlier. (laughs) But the stage manager told us that, yes, that happened, but that's not what killed him. Yeah, it did. It It ruptured his appendix. He tried to do a trick after that in a water tank, right? Yeah. Yeah. Drowning. He couldn't get through his act. He couldn't get through his act, went back, wouldn't go to the hospital or something like that, and died. wasn't this stage. We should just act like he died They here. said they cut, out, they cut out a beam under <laughs> right. the stage that's still cut from his act in like 1905 or something. Yeah. Houdini. More theater. Oh, my. Introductions. Um, <laughs> the Laughing Eagle. Giannis. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Dorn from Belltown Pizza, who's been on the show... <laughs> If, if you wanna if you wanna patronize Belltown Pizza <laughs> under Jimmy Doran's command, your time oh no? 
then you have a long time to patronize Jimmy Dorn's Pizza Restaurant. Hopefully not that much longer. How many years have you been uh, at Belltown Pizza? 16. 16 I've years? been there 17, but yeah, been running it for, owning it for 15, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully winding down. So he, I told him he doesn't even, if he doesn't say anything tonight, that's all. That I told him he doesn't have to say anything. We just wanted to be represented by a generalist Seattleite outdoorsman. Yeah. I fit that Ooh. role. This guy, uh, he, likes to, he <laughs> likes to catch salmon. He likes to shoot at deer. He likes to uh, root. And, and, like, and like every dude I know in Seattle, like every guy in Seattle, he's like, well, yeah, but I liked the Seahawks a long time ago. Oh, I did. <laughs> I liked the Seahawks when they sucked. But uh, we've been very fortunate. They don't suck anymore. It, my favorite story, I think, is when you tell about Jimmy's uh, turkey hunt, how like overnight he became an expert turkey hunter. Yeah. Because you guys walked up on some turkeys one time? Uh, that's a good story. <laughs> we were actually driving back from a set in the morning where we had sat out and froze our asses off and didn't see a thing. And we were two weeks into the turkey season, and I believe the guide took us to a place where everything had been shot. And our guide, uh, was we were just literally driving back. And he's like, hey, I just want to check this little sliver of public. And uh, we were just taking a meandering route through this one little sliver uh, around the Colville area. And uh, we came around a corner, and there was literally eight toms in the road. And uh, we basically jumped out of the truck and shot him. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a text, and he's like, yeah. what's so hard about this? Yeah. <laughs> it always happens that way. I didn't really call it a hunt. I called it more of a, a shooting thing. A git. A git's a good way. And then so. uh, our very own Sam Lundgren. If you Sam Sam writes about all Sam writes about all kinds of stuff for us. What's that? Your people are up top. I don't know. There's some Whitby Island in the those, house. Those guys don't matter. <laughs> oh yeah, tell where you're from. Yeah, I'd like to consider myself a generalist Seattleite hunter, although yeah, I'm now a card carrying Montanan. You quit and moved. Yeah, I quit and moved, but I did grow up on Whidbey Island. I lived in, in Washington until I was 22. And then uh, April Volke, who's not only not, she's not even from the damn country. <laughs> what, what's the town? I know, like, tell where you're from and then how you always apologize about it. Oh. Yeah, but I always say don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. She said, she's sorry. Sorry, what? <laughs> don't tell anybody. That's don't right. Don't tell it's, anybody. It's, yeah, not the, yeah it's, it's sorry and don't tell anyone. So now you've told everyone and everyone knows. Uh, a couple people I want to say hi to. So happy anniversary. We have uh, Ross and Megan Sharp. You guys here? All right. There's a bunch of like, there's a bunch of guests. There's a bunch of people you would know from the show. Tommy Edson's here, who's been on that show. Tony Calagrossi's been on the show. Tony. Greg Blaskovich has been on the show. Greg. I think my friend Bowman's here. I never let him come on. Um, <laughs> and then down from uh, Joint Base, Lewis McCord, we have uh, Seth Wheeler, who I met earlier. So him and his teammate are here. Good dudes. Been in and out of war zones for a long time now, as we were just discussing. And, um, and then I used to kind of be, I was like a temporary Seattleite. Uh, and I got all nostalgic here because we rented a, is it, how's it, it's like a, it's an Airbnb, but it's more like a hotel, I feel like. 
It's uh, like an apartment building, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we rented like an apartment. High-rise apartment. Which looks down on my main, most important squid jigging spot. And we got super nostalgic <laughs> about that. Um, man, I didn't realize how much I was going to miss it. I moved in August, and I like, got to thinking about razor clams, jigging squid. And the thing I like most, and this is why I don't trust anyone in this audience, is because... <laughs> When I lived here, I discovered that you guys are sitting on the continent's greatest yellow perch fishery. Now, don't do that. Don't do that because I'm telling you, me and my little boy hit it hard and we never once saw a serious perch fisherman on that lake. And you know the lake I'm talking about. It's a big ass lake. And, and as you catch fish, cyclones of perch come up with the one you're reeling in. It's unbelievable. And people don't, because you guys are steelhead and salmon snobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to, like, defend myself constantly as a perch fisherman from Michigan. But, uh, we I'm had to right bring now. in a guy from Oregon with a boat so that we could get out there and fish together for those yeah, perch. Have, yeah, our buddy had to drive up with a boat from Portland to take us perch fishing one yep. time. And that guy, that, he ate his first ever smallmouth bass out of Lake Washington. Oh, wait, you went out in that bass boat? The we sparkly one? Oh, you remember the sparkly yeah. bass boat? Yeah, we fished <laughs> perch out of that. Um, that, that was Matt Elliott's, Matt Elliott's special bass boat. He came out to fish bass, but I've filled his little live well up with perch. Well, they haven't opened the sockeye season for such a damn long time that maybe people should just get into perch instead. Well, yeah, what is, what is uh, when was the last time? Did that 2006, happen? I believe. So there's no sockeye fishery? No, they haven't there's come no, back in no the numbers. open season since 2006. Yeah, the last, time, the last time it was open, my dad and I ran our boat down from Whidbey through the locks, through Lake Union into Lake Washington, fished sockeye for a couple of days, and then went all the way back. It's crazy when that when that. I hope it happens again someday because it's such a shit show. It's it's amazing to watch. It looks like you'd walk all the way across the lake from boat to boat, like yeah, it's hard canoes to picture, next to yachts, next to like drift boats. Are they bottom and, bouncing for them too? Uh, people are mostly trolling. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I imagine you could jig them too. Because on the Fraser, we used to line up with like bouncing Bettys and then 20 foot leaders and then go through and floss them. Right, right. Well, <laughs> well Lake Washington, uh, you know, people always talk about how sockeye don't, don't eat, don't grab stuff that people are always flossing them, but, but we'd troll a, a big flasher with a bare red hook behind it. Yeah, no, they'll bite, yeah, they'll bite. hammer that. Mm-hmm. Bare Just red hook, like a Bare red got, octopus yeah. hook, like size two. And that's legal one, in this snelled. You can do that here? Yeah, you're not snagging, they eat it. Yeah, and no, we, we weren't allowed because they would eat a bear hook, but it was illegal in, in B.C., so we had to put like a little tuft of green yarn. You have yarn. a lot of dumb laws in B.C. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to pinch your barbs? <laughs> oh, there's a lot us. of dumb law laws in Washington, too, to play fair. <laughs> yeah, but this, they got some wicked laws that she was just telling us about that explain about if you're, if you're not a resident, you can't. Yeah, this is recent, but if you're a non-resident of British Columbia, you can't fish on weekends in the Skeena system or on several classified rivers. Yeah, when I fished the Bulkley, I had to pay 40 bucks a day for Thursday and Friday, and then they kicked me off, and we had to keep on driving. Yeah, the majority of the residents actually don't support it. It's a long story, and it's very political, but it was the guide movement that pushed that, not us.
The guide, because if you're fishing with a guide, you can fish weekends. Yeah, and I don't guide anymore, so don't don't point no. at no. me. But and, and yeah. isn't there aren't there some streams that are completely closed to like? To, yeah, to actually, aliens? there are, there are rivers that are BC resident only. So it's right, not like it's not Telcla? just Canadian. There are yeah, like the Telqua. Yeah. Um, but even a, someone from Alberta can't fish the Telqua. No, you've got to yeah. be a, a BC resident. Man, yeah. Can you imagine trying to pass a law like that in the United States? No, man. We have, we believe in American rights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> tell tell all these people they can't come fish the Madison. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, Sam, while you're, can you break down the thing I told you to break down that, that, that's happening here in Washington? Uh, which thing was that? You got three things you got to break down. This is the first one about the, how, the, how the, the, the bill that will never pass, but Washington's backpack tax. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. And, the, exem- and, and the, the proposed exemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is something I just read about this week, that there's legislation in the Washington State Legislature uh, that they're proposing to have what, what's broadly been talked about as the backpack tax and hunting and fishing world, which basically have people who enjoy the benefits of what we as hunters and anglers pay for with our excise taxes through the Pittman-Robertson Act and the Dingell johnson Act. Um, so what they're proposing is to have a tax on outdoor equipment over $200 you know, in, uh, in Washington State. Well, no, 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 wait, two, wait, wait. Two, ten, two tenths good. of one percent, but you would be exempted from said tax if you, show, if you could display a hunting or fishing license. It, I think it's a damn good idea. Oh, yeah. I am completely supportive of this. Because they know that you've already paid 10% tax on a yeah. bunch of your equipment, and so now other people are going to pony up, and it goes into the wildlife fund. Yeah. It's great. It's great. And in Washington, there's a hell of a lot more people who are enjoying looking at wildlife and just the, we're just enjoying the idea of wildlife. There's a hell of a lot more of them than there are of, of us. Now, I haven't seen any polling data, but I'm going to venture to guess that this will not pass. Oh, it's dead on arrival, but it's a good idea. <laughs> you know, a, a thing I wanted to mention, I should have mentioned it, I should have pivoted when you guys were talking about uh, bear hooks. I just wanted to throw this out because I was just, we just spent the weekend in San Martin, down in the, St. Martin in the um, Caribbean for a, for a birthday party. And I flew down with like hooks in a carry-on bag. But down there, you cannot carry on to a plane a fish hook. And up until very recently in Canada, you couldn't carry on your fishing, like your line. Line. And in Australia, still, you cannot carry line on. Because you're going to garret someone. With I've it. had to gut reels in airplanes. But, but shoestrings, shoe neckties are fine. Yeah. That's like, like with the hook, because these are like small hooks. I was like, the worst you could do is you could get it in someone's clothes. <laughs> and then they would be like agitated <laughs> trying to get it out. <laughs> Until they crimp the barb. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd find a way to crimp the barb. And then, but everybody already lost their leather man at TSA check-in, so you wouldn't be able to crimp the barb. <laughs> And then you'd like take advantage of the confusion and fly the plane somewhere. But I'm like, I don't know. If that's the case, you shouldn't be able to bring gum on because that shit's annoying when it gets in your clothes too. <laughs> so it's like, I couldn't figure out. Another thing I wanted to, uh, another thing I want to touch on is, you know how everybody know like, like, I'm sure everyone knows the story of the guy in Colorado not too long ago that strangled the mountain lion. Like, that, that was. <laughs> That story, and no fault of the guy that did it. Like, he, he didn't brag it up. But that story has gotten less and less interesting. It's now, yeah. it's now that it was a three-month-old, emaciated, 24-pound orphan mountain lion kitten. That's, 
Like, the media loved that story. We, we, think, yeah, yeah. You know? we think the lion attacked the jogger, or the jogger attacked the lion instead of the other way around, yeah. like it's been reported. It was a kitten. Mm. And again, the dude didn't brag it up. I'm not saying he like no. sold it as something it wasn't, but the story has just, and as it's gotten less interesting, there's less reporting on yeah. it. Yeah, I haven't heard a word about it. Pretty soon, it's going to be that he strangled a therapy dog rescue puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be... It's In like, the airport. That's the only, that's the only thing left. Uh, I, you know, uh, there's a guy, and I had to coax this out of him. At first, this guy didn't want me to even say what state it happened in. But then, then he came, he warmed up to me saying what state it happened in. But as you know, Washington um, did a very naughty thing years ago and made it that you're, you're not allowed to use hounds to pursue mountain lions. But you can still hunt mountain lions. Let's check this out, though. There's a dude in, in this state, I don't want to say where he is, but he and he, he's careful to say that he did not pioneer this technique. Where he's been going out, he, we, we exchanged some emails, he's been going out and cutting mountain lion tracks in the snow. So he does the same way like a houndsman does, waits till the right amount of snow covers on the ground, and he goes out and cuts a track, and he just follows that track and waits till things look right, and he sits down and uses a predator call. And then he follows the track and uses the predator call, and he just got a nice big time doing that. 160 pounds. That's awesome. Dude. That's awesome. That's some tricky hunting, man. Yeah, yeah. serious. That's, that's awesome. Working for it. What's that? Working for it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, we're also working in the difficult system that you get placed in. I remember that happening when they banned hunting with, hunt lines with hounds. So he, uh, life gave him lemons, and he made a... Lemonade. Lemonade out of it. A hot tip guy wrote in about... This, I, I might be the only guy that's going to appreciate this. I previewed it with you guys. Maybe. You know what? You, do you, how many people in here run a stand-up freezer instead of a chest? Because yeah. it's, it's a smart audience. This guy, this guy, you was writing in that you know how you get all your stuff in there and then it all falls out when you open the door. He buys those spring-loaded um, curtain rods and crams everything in there and then puts a spring-loaded curtain rod in there to hold his. <laughs> To hold the shit in there so it don't come out. Prevent the meat Dude. avalanche. How does he do it? Does he hold the one arm in and then try to adjust it? Maybe or? he has his wife help him out. I don't know what he does. You know what? He's probably smarter. <laughs> but like, some people get all excited about like, you know, the iPhone 10. I hear shit like that and I'm like, man, that's solid. <laughs> that's a thinker. That's the real new tech. Uh, quick thing I wanted to touch on too. A, a guy I was uh, chatting with recently was talking about ice fishing and he had the observation that ice fishing is just a place where people go to do whatever they already normally do well even better where he's like guys that like to talk they just talk better and more <laughs> guys that like to drink they just drink more <laughs> people that like to fish fish more and that concerns me because that means that my kids are only good at getting wet and cold. <laughs> because they do that even more out there. Um, another thing to touch on, Giannis, we've talked about it. This is the, I'm going I'm to put it to bed after this. But if you don't mind, for like the 19th time, breaking down your advice, your marriage mm. advice thing. Because there's two final thoughts I have about it, but I, but I want you to 
to tell everybody to get everybody up to speed. I just wish I remembered to use it as often as you asked me to tell everybody about the advice. Because now, and like, and I'm like, man, last week that would have been really good to bring up the uh, one to ten uh, scale game. Um, so I actually stole it from uh, Wayne Dyer, who uh, my dad used to not really force us, but he used to make us listen to Wayne Dyer tapes. Mostly, I would just fall asleep, but every now and then you'd pick up something. But he's got a thing where if you're in an argument, most arguments with spouses um, really aren't that all that important about like, like who's going to win it or who's going to be right. It's just you really just want to get through it. So his, uh, his way to do that is to stop and everybody assigns a value to how important they think the, the argument is and how important like having it go their way is on a scale of one to 10. And so you just stop the argument. And everybody just throws a number out there. And so if it's a really not that important, it's a two, you throw your two. And if for the other person, they might throw an eight or a nine, and you just stop. And they get to go on, and, and you go their direction, right? And it's just an easy way to quit arguing and move on. And you said a lot of times it's worked for you because you oh, we've realize already, we've been It's been improving that, our marriage, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I make you honest. I, I make you explain this every week. This is the last time you're going to explain it. Okay. But there's two thoughts that came in because people have been writing in a lot about marriage. Giannis's, I don't know what you stole from someone, but I'm just going to call it your thing, your marriage saver thing. And one guy is in a, he writes in where he's in a fight with his wife because she likes to put vinegar in the soap in the dishwasher. And he's arguing that if, if dish soap needed vinegar, they would just put it in there in the factory. <laughs> so what's weird about it is he's like, but the trick worked. Because like I actually didn't really care once I thought about it, and I threw a three, and she threw like a nine. So she wins. But then he sits down and writes me a diatribe like this, <laughs> explaining how stupid it is to put vinegar in soap. <laughs> Another guy wrote in about, he's, he didn't even get into what his fight was, but he gets in a big fight, and he's like, he wants to do Giannis's trick to get out of the fight, and he throws a two and then gets in trouble for how little he cares. <laughs> so it's like, yes. That would absolutely be the biggest concern is underestimating somebody else's anger. Yes. All right. So, it's like, so if I think you... if it's a two and you think it's a nine, I might just be digging my hole even deeper. Yeah, because yeah, so like, why were you fighting about it at that point Yeah, anyway? it's like, oh, so you don't care right? yeah. about clean dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what else we want to talk about? Oh, uh, irrational behaviors where does vinegar in the dishwasher count as that? No, cause I don't really know about that. That might be like a great idea. I don't know. Um, I tell you, here's a hot tip with okay. vinegar is, um, I've been frying a lot in the house lately cause I got my bitch a new hood over my stove, you know, <laughs> and I'm always blasting, I'm frying, and it's, it's working, but it's still not like completely diffusing all, you know, grease and smell in the I house. I think it's impossible. It is. But what we do afterwards, or I should say my wife Jennifer does, is, um, I don't know, maybe a cup or two of some vinegar with a splash of lavender oil and just in a pan and throws that on the stovetop and just lets it simmer and kind of disappear. And that just dials the house right back in. Oh, really? Beautiful. Yeah. Very nice. That was a problem Take we that had. Take home. Is, That'll improve your marriage. Yeah, because I remember when we used, to live in a, we used to live in a small apartment, and being from Michigan, I fry a lot of fish. 
And my wife would be like, how is it that even the bath towels yeah. smell like fried fish? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing I wouldn't want it to, to smell like fried fish. No, no. Yeah, when you, yeah. When you get out of the shower. Everything else is fair game, but... But the irrational right behavior on. there, and I don't mean to be pinned, this is not like a guy, ver- this isn't like, you know, like a guy versus wife deal, but there's a guy wrote in where he was complaining about just coping with irrational things where he kills a deer, guts it, and then rinses the chest cavity out with, I don't know if it was crick water or creek water, I didn't see the actual body of water, but rinses it out with crick water, and... Now she refuses to eat the deer for fear that it has been contaminated by crick water. And he wanted advice. I have no advice. <laughs> but in that, like, in that situation, you'd only point out other activities, that, like, uh, like other things that seem irrational that you need to cope with. And I think that the reason this happens so much in, the, in outdoor pursuits is because you're just dealing with so many unknowns and untested things, right? It's just in practices to get handed down over time and things that aren't really, you can't replicate it in the laboratory, like certain odors you might encounter that you could never make. So I think that it breeds, it like breeds uncertainty. So do you guys feel like, have you encountered in your personal lives where you've, you've had to just live with someone else's irrational belief system? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No. Uh, my husband doesn't hunt, and I am obsessed with it. And so we are constantly, we don't see eye to eye on anything with hunting, but in particular, the rangefinder situation. So he thinks that a rangefinder is um, unethical. Because it's more ethical to not know how far away it is. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah, a constant battle. Fling an arrow and guess. Yeah, he needs to just come with me so he can see what it's all about. But yeah, so I feel like I'm just constantly bashing my head against the wall with some of these theories and opinions. Yeah. Yeah. The un- that's an un- no, I shouldn't say it's uninformed. But you know, we are going to later give away, we're going to play a game, we're going to give away a range-finding binocular. So that was a good, that was a good tip. Nice. That was a good... Well, I, I segued off there, if you'll notice. I like um, it. Sam, like, irrational? I didn't come up with anything for this. Because you're not... I'm a highly rational person. No, but I mean, you'd never... Um, <laughs> you're, still, you're still available. <laughs> Ladies. Yeah. Right. The segue. The segue. Not, not married. Not married. Correct. Yeah. You never had a relationship that there, a, an argument came up. Okay, and... so what I, okay, so so it's not that I didn't come up with anything for this. I didn't. I didn't come up with anything that I could say publicly to our audience of hundreds of thousands of of listeners. There's nothing. It's like it's a weird. It's a weird gray. What what we're talking about here is a weird gray area of like cute irrational, where there's like crazy irrational that you just don't really want to like air to the to the public tell me what it is you don't have to tell who it is no do it uh can i can i all right okay are are you talking about like an ex-girlfriend yeah okay (laughs) and of what like category of what category like what life category did the irrational thing fall into I don't even know which ex-girlfriend we're talking about here. Well, let's start like, out. I feel like let's divide. That's let's kind of part and parcel let's divide of the, whole the world. Situation. Let's divide the world into like rooms of the house. Probably yeah. do it that way. 
Yeah, what, yeah, what would be an <laughs> area of one's existence that the irrational behavior would manifest? I had, a, I had an ex-girlfriend who would clean, like deep clean her apartment every week. And she would, like, she would go as far as pulling everything out of her freezer to, to like scrape out the freezer of ice every week. I would have hung on to her. That sounds, that sounds like a dream. There's, there, there, there's complicating circumstances. That was, that was not the reason it, it ended. I'm, I'm going to get her phone number. Um, He's like, yes, Sunday. Let's organize, baby. But, but I'm like, well, you put stuff in the freezer to like, you know, to hang on to it. it, to preserve it, to hang on to it for a while. And like, I'd stacked it full of elk. I'm like, why are you pulling all that out of there? It's defrosting in your fridge or in your, in your sink right now. Okay. Yeah, so That's good. I found that to be highly irrational. That is. Jimmy? Uh, I don't have a lot to add to this. I'm, I'm, fortu- I'm fortunate. Hello. Oh, come on. He talked me into it. You, oh. have, to, you have to play ball it's here. It's a struggle, though. You know, I, didn't want to, I told him I didn't want to talk about this. I am fortunate <laughs> enough. My significant other, who is sitting right over there, uh, is very rational, grounded. I find very, very seldom do I find that... <laughs> Uh, Good call, Jimmy. Good call. <laughs> uh, you know, things that'll get me in a twist. I mean, she moves things around. I can't figure out why we're always looking for things that I know right where it's at. But in the grand scheme of things, that is a one on the argument scale as opposed to a ten. So, yeah. you know, I'm very fortunate. I, no, no idiosyncrasies. You're boring me, man. It's not boring. <laughs> it's not boring. It's rational. It's, you know, it's battles. It's you just chose well. I did show. She chose. Yeah, I'm extremely fortunate. Yeah. So yeah, let me guess, Giannis, nothing. No, come on. He's like going to come up pure, with something. Like fully He's already irrational married. behavior by my wife? That's what you're asking me. It, it, There's like, like uh, little things that she does um, <laughs> that I might like that might bug me, but I wouldn't call it like irrational behavior. Yeah. Well, I would like. I if would, she did something like that where I had done something like rinse a deer out with creek water. <laughs> And then she was like, oh, I'm not eating that because that water is so much different than the stuff that comes out of the faucet. You know, it's rolling down rocks or something and, and it's dirty. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd stop it at that point and say, we've got to have a conversation to see if this thing can keep going on. We're going to cook know? this well, meat. Like yeah, in right. my mind, what I'm talking about, in my mind, what I'm talking about would be that one day my wife caught me letting my kids cut up pumpkins with a machete. And she feels it. <laughs> and she feels it when someone's holding a machete or an axe or something that it's gonna like inexplicably like fly out of their hand, which I thought was right. But then one day Callahan, who he's holding a cleaver, and she keeps being afraid that it's gonna fly out of Callahan's hand. And so I feel like it's like when she sees a large blade, she feels that it will fly out of the user's hand. And it just strikes me as on par with this. That's all. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if he's here or not. There's a guy, he's fishing up uh, Narrows Park, not far from here, on the Gig Harbor side, Narrows Bridge. And he writes in about how he's, everyone around him's catching all kinds of fish. He's not catching one. Is this guy here has to do with a diving duck and an eagle? Okay. So he... Finally hooks a fish, and he gets all excited for a couple seconds until up pops a diver duck that he has hooked. And as he's Happens. reeling it in across the surface, an eagle, this is, I believe him because of the level of detail, an oh, eagle comes down this. and grabs his diver duck off the surface. We, 
we used to have eagles steal our ducks when we were out duck hunting as, okay. as kids. Yeah. yeah. It starts fly, zinging drag out. <laughs> he tightens his drag, yanks it, and gets his duck back. It like gets it free from the eagle, is able to bring it in. He's got it superficially hooked, unhooks it, and lets the duck go, and the duck's fine. That's a fishing story. <laughs> That's a fishing story. Another guy. Uh, That's one of those where the duck gets back to the uh, cattails, and he's like, "You guys are not gonna fucking believe oh, this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Holy, he's like, like "Dude, what have you been doing?" Cool. He's just like, "Don't even, don't even ask what I've been up right. to." <laughs> mm. th th that's funny because like a duck will go through his whole life and nothing really that exciting happens. <laughs> I remember one time we were. Yeah, one time we were up in the mountains and we had hung up all of our, you know, hung all of our food up in a tree to, so bears wouldn't get into it. And then, it's like, somehow there was, like, a block of cheese that didn't get hung up in the tree. And so my brother got up and some, kind of, like, tucked the block of cheese up in a, like, on top of a game bag up in a tree. And we come back later and there's a pine squirrel who's discovered the block of cheese, which, that's some bitch that's only ever eaten one thing his entire life. And then all of a sudden, he finds a block of cheese, which has to seem like really unusual. And then on top of that, two large bipedal creatures come after it and chase it through the woods. And it's like when it rains, it pours, man, you know? Yeah, right. Because I'm out here every day, nothing ever happens. Never seen that one before. Have you ever, this is super inappropriate, and I apologize to children in the audience, but have you ever seen a duck's penis? Oh, we were just talking about this yesterday. They have excitement every day. Yeah. That is. They're, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to Google this. Only 3% of bird species have one. A and penis? A, yeah, because they have cloacas. But a duck has, some ducks have one longer than they are. Do they all have spikes? Some of them have a they have like spikes on, no, that's the vagina. Well, yeah, there's no, like a. Spiraled and spiked. Yeah. yeah. So why, why do they have the spikes? Just to. I mean, I. I <laughs> so. If they that's what you're into. They don't want their you know, partner to get away, I guess. There's got to be a biological reason. It, all right. No, no, it's a, it's, a startling, it's a startling thing, and it's so funny because we, we discussed this at length last night. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's serious business. In, in keeping with the Pacific Northwest theme, why are you talking to me? Uh, Pacific Northwest theme, a guy, uh, I like the way this thing starts. He writes in that his brother... Pregnancy checks, so preg checks cows. Arm up and you feel around and tell if it's pregnant or not. And he gets paid in salmon. But, <laughs> but the salmon he gets have never been gutted. It, they're frozen gut in salmon and he wants to know if this is a normal thing or not. I think that is not normal. Well, is the guy a commercial a fisherman or a recreational fisherman? Give them to him. Commercial. Yeah, then I'd say that's normal. No, I, it's not normal. When, I was, when I was commercial fishing, we never gutted a salmon. You just froze them whole and gave them away yeah, to people who prep Yeah, I mean, we didn't even... Uh-huh. <laughs> really? No. I, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who prep checks cows, but, yeah, yeah I mean, we'd fr I mean every, every salmon we'd catch in the same just gets spilled into the fish hole and... Freeze to death in 34 degree so who, refrigerated seawater. So the processor guts it. Yeah. So he just skips the processor. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing, if you're saning correctly, you never touch the fish. And they freeze guts in. 
Yeah. No one bleeds Wait, them. So well, that, so I mean, so like, there, obviously, there's a lot of types of, of, of commercial fishing, and like, we are primarily targeting pinks. Um, so it's, it's like en masse, and then we, we pull up alongside a tender, usually like Bering Sea crab boats. They take a big crane with a vacuum pump and swing it over, drop it in our hold, and put in a return tube, and just over the course of an hour, just suck all those fish out of there. We have to keep the water level just right, and at the end, I'd have to go down there in hip boots and, and a shovel and get up in the corners of the fish hold and, and move all the fish out. often try to like, scrape them when they'd get frozen up against like, the refrigeration unit. It was really gross. It was my least favorite part of the job. But, but are you allowed uh, to take fish home? Do you think he's being lazy, or do you think he's sneaking them out without being allowed to take well, them? Well, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know, but I imagine, like, in, in Washington, it's, it's either saining or gill netting, in which case you always deliver those fish whole <clears throat> to processors. And, and, I mean, and you're usually freezing them as soon as you, as you catch them because you're just catching so many. I mean, like, you know, the biggest day I ever had, we caught 73,000 73, pounds of salmon, Pink. pink salmon in uh, about two hours in the morning. And then we were on limits, <clears throat> so it was pretty. It was pretty cool to be like, I just made three grand. It's not even ten a.m. yet. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So this dude. Will be I got, happy a, to I got know. a question though. Is it what's the? Do you know what the common like end product is for those pinks that you were? Yeah, catching? I think it's dog food and 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 yeah, and a lot of like supplements. Um, canned salmon is is a good a good part of it. The high quality stuff. But I mean, they, they also they also fillet some pinks. I man, I, I wish I know knew. I have a lot of a lot of friends in that industry. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's not like showing up on fancy restaurants for, for right. pinks anyway. And and where kings typically get kings typically get caught in um, trolling, you know, situations or or gill netting where they're you know treated with a different level of care and and there's there's also there's a big growth in in the kind of the <clears throat> it's not farm to table but it, it like you know boat to table I actually just had a guy hit yeah, us up to do that in bozeman now man yeah yeah, yeah I, I know i know a couple of those guys and and this guy just hit me up from sitka who it's all about like know your fishermen and and he like they do straight like from from the boat and so those guys are like catching their fish processing their fish flash freezing mailing them off it sounds like a giant pain in the ass to me but uh it's it's cool to see that kind of thing happen yeah it's higher because, returns too yeah absolutely I like this guy's word choice because i just realized he describes these fishes whole as hell <laughs> but does it spoil <laughs> yeah, the meat does it matter yeah. at the end game? yeah so like that's that, like i know you bleed them and that makes a difference on the quality of the meat but does it matter like if you left the guts in it and freeze it and then defrost it and gut it home does well, it matter well that's what he's trying to figure out because the dude gave him all these fish i wouldn't oh, he think so i wouldn't yet? think the guts would be polluting the meat if it's all frozen yeah i think it's frozen quick i've got two fro- whole lake trout frozen in my freezer right now because they froze on the ice after because they froze they're they're frozen the second we pulled them out of the lake and uh and then i got home and i had to r- run out here and i'm like I don't want to. I don't want to defrost these things so I can gut them, so I can freeze them again, because that's going to be even worse on the flesh to freeze and thaw and freeze and thaw. So, I, I did. I did think about this for quite a while, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick them in the freezer. I don't have time. Pay attention here, because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever, and you weigh your options. Like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work. Try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months. 
wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit, you match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on, on X, and I'll look at the topography, and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them. Okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds, this app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. I've left guts in grouse and aged them for seven days and then ate them. Yeah, that's a big thing in Europe, man. Yeah, well, I yeah. tried both. I tried with the gutting, and then as long as it's not a gut shot, I've left the guts in, and I've aged both for seven days. I mean, it tastes cleaner if the guts have been out, but it wasn't bad. 
and aged for sh- like made all the difference in the world. It was like cutting sushi when I was cutting them up. I would yeah, have a harder time times. with that than fish. Because well, gut, for you, sure, you go that's get what I'm saying. Those guts out, those guts reek. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's yeah. a bad smell. And grouse are known for having especially weird smelling guts. They sure do. I want to get into uh, I want to get into salmon numbers because that's like a real uh, a thing that like dominates the conversation around here, and it's confusing as hell. And I'll kind of like lay out, like I picture like someone from Mars or, or some outer space planet with a, just a superficial understanding of the world was listening to the conversation, they would be confused. Because you have where king salmon numbers are really low. And so people keep proposing different things that we might do, different things we might try to kill off or reduce in order to up salmon numbers. So it's like, oh, we're going to kill seagulls, sea lions, harbor seals. What else? Squawfish. Squawfish, cormorants. Cormorants. But Uh, also like name brand, name brand sea mammals. Caspian terns. Okay. Big list of things. Name brand sea mammals that you reduce numbers to get salmon numbers up. But then there's another name brand sea mammal, killer whale or orca, which is a whole other conversation. I'm gonna, I, tonight I'm going with killer whale. Let's stick with it. So <laughs> killer whales are suffering from the lack of fish. And no one's proposing, and they eat nothing but kings. And to my knowledge, no one has proposed shooting them things. <laughs> now, <laughs> not since the, not but, since the 70s. But, <laughs> Everything else is on the list. Yeah. Meanwhile, and people will be like, okay, another problem with kings, and, and I'm not a subject matter expert here. This is my observation. Like another problem that kings have is they're getting too much competition from hatchery fish in the rivers. So that's, that's a concern. And in the oceans. And in the oceans. But because the one marine mammal is not getting enough fish, they're now talking about putting more hatchery fish in to make sure that that marine mammal, the, the orca, gets enough and then we'll get rid of the other ones. Like, like, is it is it as confusing as it seems? Yeah, it, it is, and it's like right as WDFW is kind of finally coming around the idea that that their intensive, crazy hatchery program has not necessarily been the greatest boon to wild salmon and steelhead, especially steelhead. Now the governor's coming in and telling them to start pumping out more hatchery chinook for the whales. For the whales. Yeah. So it's 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 just. It's as complicated as all hell. I mean, I'm even from Mars, and I don't even understand it. It's supposed to be a Band-Aid, not a long-term solution. Yeah. Well, that's like it seems... I mean, this is, this is kind of the, one of the areas where the conversation about salmon gets interesting, and, and salmon and steelhead, is because you have, like, like... It's no secret what the main problem is. The main problem being, like, a, like a system of dams that blocks fish migration. Like, yeah. you used to take... I think, you know, a fish used to be able to go from its natal stream out to the ocean in three days and now it takes 20 some days in in certain river systems and so it's exposed to so much more predation but they're doing badly in rivers that don't have dams too no that's a good point yeah so it's 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 bad timber practices it's over harvest it's changing ocean condition there's a there's a lot dams being definitely a primary driver yeah but i find that like 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 some people like callahan's this way or has argued this where some people are like if you have this, this large systemic problem, being like you have this large problem with dams, and they don't want to entertain the micro fixes, 
they're like, I don't want to do, I don't want to condone micro fixes because I want to just focus on what the main problem is. Be like, if you lost your job and had no money and then you found a dollar on the street, you'd pick it up. But, but Cal would be like, don't pick it up because you don't have a job. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like, I feel the frustration of people who, who are wanting to like, we, we can't control that. Like that's like a huge long-term problem. But there are small adjustments we could make and, and it's like, it makes people extremely upset that you'd, that you'd entertain the idea of reducing harbor seal populations or, or reducing sea lion populations in order to try to keep this thing hobbling along while we get up the political and public will to like actually get around to addressing the main problem. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at it historically, all these things are really closely tied together. In the territorial legislature of Washington, it was illegal to block an Adramus fish passage. That was passed in the late 1800s. Um, when they built the dams on the Elwha that were recently removed, they, they built the lowest dam, which is some three miles from, the, from tidewater with no, with no fish ladder, no nothing, just cut it off. One of the greatest Chinook runs ever known. But they made a deal that was later codified in law that they're like, oh, we'll just make a hatchery and solve the problem. We'll just pump out enough fish to make up for the ones we lost. And then that, that was... <clears throat> taken forth into the rest of the Pacific Northwest, that wherever we hose a salmon run, we just, we, we do mitigation is, is, I mean, it's still a word that's just thrown around left and right, but that's where it all derives from. Wherever we, wherever we ruin a salmon run, we're just going to put in a hatchery and solve the problem. It's going to be all better. What were you guys saying? Like what, what's the typical percentage of with steelhead? What's the percentage of steelhead that are wild-born and hatchery-born? Man, I was pulling a number out of my ass before, but it's probably less than a quarter anymore that are, that are like, native. Like, of all the steelhead that return to fresh water every year in Washington, I bet a, less than a quarter have an adipose fin. Here, not either. in the Skeena region. So the Skeena region has the healthiest population of well, sa- salmon in the world. The, Col- the Columbia used to have the best steelhead fishery. But, yeah, we, we don't have any of that in the Skeena. So were you fish steelhead or wild? Yeah. Now, do you, because you kind of like, you like cut your teeth as a steelhead guide and built your career off being a steelhead guide. If you had to, if you had to picture a crystal ball, mm. how old's your daughter now? Not, not a, 16 months. 16 months. If you, if you had to make a guess, like God's got a gun to your head and you got to make a guess that when she's your age mm-hmm. and don't, don't play like what you want to have. I think about this every day. When so hit me with it. When she's your age, will she be fishing steelhead? And you have to get it right or else you die. Like that kind of answer. So I'm 37. So in 36 years in the Skeena, I think they'll be here. I don't think they'll be here in the numbers that they are now. I think they'll, I mean, they're the most. But you think they'll be less? Yeah, they're the most resilient. I think they're one of the most resilient animals or fish out there. Um, but they'll definitely be here in less, yeah, less numbers. It's really scary. Yeah. Have, you, have you watched the decline in your own career? Yeah, yes. And the shifting baseline is really scary. And these people who are fishing, you know, or they've been fishing for 10 years, say, and they're like, oh, well, you know, in, in my 10 years, there hasn't been a major difference. But they're just, they're not, they don't know what the baseline was 100 years ago. They, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people in my age group, they don't want to learn uh, the history, you know, or they don't want to learn about what happened before them. So, yeah, I'm pretty terrified. Yeah, we had a guy one time describe it 
the shift he, the shifting baseline thing, but he called it shifting baseline syndrome. Yeah. Where, but but if you don't have that, you would lose your mind. Yeah, but well, you know what we're talking about, shifting baseline. Like the, your perception of the, like the, what our perception of uh, like normal constantly, you have to, or else it'd be, you wouldn't be able to continue being alive. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be like in in thirty six years, honestly, Steve. I spoke to a lot of the government biologists, and they've pulled, they've come over. I don't live in Syria anymore, you guys. I live on the Balkley up in the Skeena country, and the biologists will come to my place, and we've had you know off the record chats about the fact that these fish are not going to be here unless we seriously put our foot down. But we have to make some major changes. And I don't think that the sports community or the angling community is ready to make the changes. What are the changes they don't want to make? Uh, fishing for them. I mean, they, they like to fish for them. Yeah. Yeah. Have you quit? No. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Like, I don't, I, look, I don't want to look like I'm sitting on a throne and be like, oh, yeah, I've stopped fishing for them. Uh, because I think everyone makes this decision in their own time. I personally have cut back immensely. I probably catch two steelhead a week, maybe. And if I catch a steelhead a day, I go home. But I also understand I live on the river. I'm out there every single day. I don't, I don't expect people to make the same decisions I do. So um, I'm really close to stopping, especially because the more that I, the more that I hunt and the more that I spend out, outdoors you know, killing animals, the more I start to question my own reasoning for catch and release. Yeah. And when you start to question why you catch and release, for me anyway, again, everyone makes this decision at their own time in their life. But for me, it was um, I catch and release because I'm selfish. And I'm okay being selfish to a degree. I'm a, I'm a human. I'm an animal. I don't mind being a little selfish. But um, I have to choose the number on the scale and ask myself you know, how impor- important it is to me. And when I start feeling like I'm battling or like I'm compromising my integrity, mm-hmm. um, I start to just take a step back. And that's where I'm at now. So um, I feel like I'm really selfish out there these days. You know what I had the other day? We were fishing and we were messing around with some tarp and, and knowing that you're not going to do anything to it if you catch it. Mm-hmm. When it came off, I couldn't make myself care. Yeah, because you weren't going to do anything with it anyway and you don't want a photo. I was like, oh, that was cool. Yeah, see you later. Yeah. But, but when like, I'm out there... It was like damn cool to hook into it. Yeah, but when but you're trying to like take the, a fish that home. That was like the, the, the accomplishment... And then when it came off, there was no disappointment. Have you landed a tarpon, though? No. I've hooked three in my, four in my life. I've hooked one. I really want to hold one. <laughs> the, the first two I hooked, I didn't even, they came out of the water, and I just, I didn't even, I wasn't even fishing at that point. I was just shocked. Um, and this last one, I, like, held it together for a couple minutes. But it's, it's impressive. You've caught those, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huntresses. It's just hit me. Hit me. So you like you reached out April because you're, you're gonna write, you want to write a piece about like our use, like what what is the a huntress? Because the, the why day are there no the grandmas huntress? that are huntresses? Well, there are actually. No. Well, hang on. The grandmas don't have. I'm they right in the middle of that. writing this article, so I'm still accumulating my data. Yeah. Um, but the word huntress has actually been around for a long, like since 1800s, because by definition, a huntress is simply a female who hunts. But, but the grandma doesn't have social media, and social media is bastardizing that shit. Like, it's really bad. Yeah, like, a hunter is your argument. Well, yeah, my we're argument, not going around being like, I'm a hunter I, man. I don't have an... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, like, fisherman is more problematic. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. The, my ar- I don't have an argument because we're on uh, the I don't, same... I, don't know, I know you don't have an argument, I, but I, I'm dying to get to the part of... I'm dying. Yeah. Just go ahead. Well, 
you're putting me on the spot because I haven't actually written the article yet. So I, I haven't come but, up with a conclusion. But, but, but develop you can't I, write it. You can't write it till you think it. And I think about it all the time. I am, I am by definition a huntress. I guess, I, yeah, but I don't call myself a huntress because I don't identify with the modern day use of the word today. Okay, but here's because the question. Because temptress, seducestress, like all these stresses are very sexualized. And, mistress. And look, you mistress. I don't know, it just, <laughs> it just sounds sexy. And I think there was like a comic book series with like huntress or something like that. And again, I haven't, I'm right in the middle. You just threw me under the bus, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, I think that hunter is so gender neutral. And we were talking about this earlier. We're in this fucked up, excuse me, age where there's all of this, like, I, I don't even know how to talk politically correct anymore because everybody is offended by it. something. No, I'm talking now, but like, <laughs> I just mean, <laughs> I mean, in, in, in general, in general, it's so hard to refer to different people about what they are because you don't even know what people's gender is. So in, my point is, <laughs> is in today's age, in today's age, we do, we have this word that is so beautifully simple. Right, like you hunt, and you are a hunter. It's not a hunter man or a hunter hunter woman. You are a hunter. Like we have the most perfect package of a word, and it's still not good enough. Like I just give up. Yeah, like when even one when one's working, it's no good. The reason I threw you under the you know the reason I brought this up is someone actually wrote in. I don't know if you saw this, but someone wrote in like here's a question for April that they wanted to be answered tonight, but it's not this one, but it's one that made me think of this one. Because this person was recently at, what did they put it? They were at a, an orientation event at a college in eastern Washington. And it was like the person addressing the crowd would, would, was trying to, it seemed to be, I'm paraphrasing, it seemed to be that their tendency was to say you guys, you guys. You guys, yeah. But they had switched to you all. And so the person was wondering, like, like does, do you, the person's asking you, like, do you take offense by some, me saying you guys to you. No. Because you all is y'all. It's very Southern. And that shit is not politically correct. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they came up with y'all. As like a gender neutral term. Yeah. No, they didn't. Um, yeah, no, it's not offensive, but I, I don't know. I honestly can't relate to a lot of the people who, who are offended by that stuff today. I just don't, I don't understand the thought process. Have you guys read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? No. Read it. Does it get, does it get into it's this? It's awesome, yeah. Do you, um, does, fishermen, does fishermen bother you? No. I, no, but I get it. I do get it. Like, I understand if someone wants to call me an angler and that makes everyone more comfortable, that's cool. But again, angler, I'm not going to be like an anglish, anglish, angstress, angstress. What is it? Like a fishress? If you call me a fishress, <laughs> anyone calls different. me a fishress. That's something but different. One of the things that I asked all these women, I, I reached out to 20 different women from, from spearfishing, hunting, and fishing all age groups. I interviewed the woman who fish in bikinis and, you know, the woman who would never, who don't even own a bikini. And I asked them, you know, what is... They just go naked. (laughs) (laughs) That's the new age. I asked them what the fish version is and there is no fish version of a huntress. I mean, some angler, angling woman will call themselves a, a huntress, but... Um, and then I actually, I interviewed a, a 60-year-old um, female angler, and she says she doesn't like being identified as a fisherman 
or a an angler because she said it made her feel like she didn't have a vagina. So she likes to Come be called. On. I know, but I I can't I can't relate. Yeah, no, yeah you're, you're but relaying she, to me she what wants she to told be you. a fisher yeah. woman, and as a sixty year old woman who is my senior, like I I I'm, I'm I respect her opinion. Um, but no, fisherman doesn't offend me, or or any of my girlfriends who are, are really into it. That's why I like if I'm when I'm depending on the audience, like I'll be writing and I'll f- catch myself to be inclusive. I'll catch myself using hunters and anglers, which is still really clear. Like we're not pioneering new words. We're using words that have an accepted meaning forever, and it's not clunky. It's not like clunky to say hunters and anglers. And I was doing a story not long ago for Outside Magazine. And they were saying, is there, what's a way to say sportsman? And people are, have, no, it, it's, it's clunky. It's sportsmen and women, which I get the sentiment, but it just, it, like, if it, it doesn't reflect a See, natural way of talking. Sportsmen sounds like sportsmen to me. I don't know. Men. But it's hard because, like, human, human, human. We're not going to introduce it as like human. Or mankind. Mankind. Uh, I mean, I don't know how they. I don't know how they fix that. Yeah. Sports. Sports people. Sport. No, it's. I think that the accepted one now is sportsmen and women. But a problem. I and and like everyone's favorite topic is to bitch about PC stuff, which like I understand. But like a a problem with it, I, I think a problem that's coming in culturally with word choice is people are now measuring people. People are now measuring. One, someone's morality, someone's world, someone's worldview, only on the only on the words that like on the his, the words of the use of historic words that come out of their mouth, and not anything about like what the the, the overall content, the, like what they're trying to say doesn't matter. The the sum package of what you're saying doesn't matter. It's just they're like listening for the wrong little thing that comes out of your mouth to condemn that rather than like the the gist of what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that's the thing that winds up making me uneasy about this. But I do do now. I just say hunters and anglers because I like in my heart there's like an inclusivity. But I, but then at the same time, I don't like things that that sound weird. Whoever said it had to be gender specific? I mean, that was the when I call somebody a fisherman, that means that guy's a fisherman. That guy knows what time it is. That or that woman's a hunter. Like she knows what she's doing. It's like a it's a term of like, it's, oh, sugar. I lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you, man. And to me, it's like unnecessarily divisive. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like it, it, I'm stoked that, that hunters are, or female hunters are the largest, like, grow, like, the, there's more, the more growth in that than any other demographic within hunting in the last recent decades. That's awesome. I'm glad to, I'm glad to see that. Mm-hmm. But, but, not, but then why, why, why do you want to be doing something different? Like, why do you want to go out, like, huntressing? Why can't you just come hunting with the rest of us? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it just, it, just it, it feels like it's drawing lines when they're, like, trying to become, like, if women are trying to get in, trying to become a, the, part of the community, like, join the community, like, be part, be part of the club, don't, like, have your own thing. It's, but the battle you'll get is the woman, and then we'll drop it, but the battle you'll get is the woman I'm hearing from who enjoy the word huntress are badass, oh, like, yeah. Organ- you'd never know that they called themselves huntresses, but they've identified with that word for 40 years because the word has been around for a, lot, a long time. Um, so it's hard to strip that from them. I get it, and I, I know badass female hunters who, who love that word. I, I know this, this girl who hunts with a long bow and kills deer and elk every year, 
And, and I, I heard her read a poem about how her, like her huntress heart and stuff. But every time she says it, I just cringe a little bit. I'm like, I just don't really, <laughs> don't that, call that word, like, I don't I know. Prefer it if I don't know. I could be convinced otherwise. And I'm excited to read the story. I'm excited to write I'm the story. Sure so I'll keep you guys posted. She's got to write it before you read it. But I feel like now you yeah. got a lot of material. I already yeah, yeah, yeah. had a lot of material before you threw me under the bus. <laughs> uh, I want to get into this thing that, that's come up in New York. It's the assembly bill. It's got an exciting name. AOO722, which does this. It's interesting. Provides that it shall be unlawful. So this is in the state of New York, far away, but it's still our, you know, continent and everything. Um, it should be unlawful for any person to organize, sponsor, conduct, promote, or participate in any contest, competition, tournament, or derby where the objective of such contest or competition is to take wildlife. So it would be illegal to have a salmon... Illegal to have a salmon derby. Illegal to have a perch derby. A squirrel hunting tournament. What about all these people competing for follows on Instagram? Is that technically illegal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Abel brought Good the point, point that it would kill social media, right? Well, what I brought up is my dad and I always used to play a game, first biggest most, Not a, a do- dollar a category, and I, I loved that when I was a kid. It like, you know, made me work harder when we were out. Fishing and well, how, like, that how would, many fundra- how many like charitable yeah. fundraisers Trade, trading three bucks between a dad and his son? Yeah, <laughs> and then, but like all the charitable fundraisers yeah. that are run as derbies. But I, I know what they're gunning for. They just, it's a, it's a sloppily written law. What they're gunning for is like you know the current like the enemy du jour, which is like coyote hunt, yeah. coyote yeah. contests, and then there I think also like shark tournaments. Well, there there there's legislation in New Mexico right now that's more na- narrowly tailored than that that's specifically going after coyote hunts I, I believe but in New York they're just like all of it two dudes I bet you I catch a bigger perch no you don't no nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bummer well that that whole uh, that whole squirrel hunt debacle in New Jersey did you do you see this oh, yeah, the piece that Spencer that. Newharth yeah you guys already talked about that yep. yeah that was wild like the just like seeing the news coverage of that and seeing all the signs that people had like lining the road because there was oh, like four that. times as many protesters as there were people doing it was like a kids family thing like get everybody out hunting and stuff and there was some vicious shit about about hunters that like hard hard even to repeat. When years ago, like the first, the first assignment I did for, for outside when I began writing for them years ago was to cover a shark tournament in New York called Mako Madness. And I interviewed a proponent of Mako Madness, and he was just saying that, or, or sorry, an opponent, he, he, he didn't, didn't like the tournaments. And his take was, I don't like applying a carnival atmosphere to like the killing of game. Which was his perspective. Yeah, on. but he wasn't a fisherman, right? He was a fisherman. He was. That's interesting. Yeah, he liked yeah, so, so He like, actually served me some mako shark. Okay, okay. Well, that's interesting then because I, I feel like there's a, there's a deeper conversation to be had there because I've always been kind of uncomfortable with like Bassmaster Classic and that kind of, that thing, that kind of thing because I think fishing is, 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 a bit, is kind of a spiritual activity, at least to me. It's, it's like where you go to find peace and calm and quiet and really you know, work on your thoughts and your life philosophy and deal with things and be with friends and commune with nature and, and to, to see people putting a 200-horse 
outboard on the back of a 16-foot boat that's covered in glitter and it... (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, when I was eight, if you'd asked me, what are you going to do with your life? I would have said professional bass fishermen. Yeah, but they're, but, not hurting the re- but they're not hurting the resource. They're not hurting the resource, and it's all catch and release. I mean, the, the way they hold the bass by the lip and crank their neck, it, like there's some science, new science out that's saying that's not the best handling practices. That's not my, that's not my issue. Mm-hmm. But the carnival thing, like, I mean, that, that resonates on some level that, that to, to put like an unnecessary just, competitive car yeah just it's just so it's just it's also it seems so loud yeah and the loudness to it but i still oppose like i oppose the limits i oppose the restrictions because I too. I, i'm always looking at when, when i think about something like this i'm always looking at like what is the end game what is the end game of the person pushing for it yeah and, and i think that I, I think i don't agree with their end game and so which is I, no more fun yeah yeah, well, I, I, I disagree with the unintended consequences perhaps more because, I mean, are they going to ban, like, the little tr- cute trout derbies they do in Central Park? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, who's that hurting? You're not even, you can't promote it, so you can't even staple the sign to a tree anymore about it. <laughs> um, here's a question for someone. Dan Curtis, he's here tonight. His wife, Grace, they got a question. It was a long question. I'm trimming it down to a line. Uh... What is the level of etiquette that a hunter should expect upon gifting prime time meat to someone? Prime time? Like high quality. Mm-hmm. Mine is high. Like I expect, like, like when I give something, if I give someone the gift of fisher, fish and game, I have very, like for them to please me, I need to see a high level of care and I need to see prompt use. And that was one of the nicest things when I was living here in Magnolia. I had my neighbor on that side, my neighbor on that side, and my neighbor across from me. And I gave them all a lot of fish and game and they all cooked it real quick like and then would share with me, sometimes even with photographs, what they had done with it. That's good practice. And then I would the next day bring them more stuff. Like yeah. I, would, I would constantly bring stuff over to these guys because I was seeing that return. If you give something and you find it in their freezer six months later, I've taken it back. I, 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 I've, <laughs> I was just up at my parents' house. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. And, and I want you to know that I've started to check your freezer. <laughs> and, and I see that you still have some of my elk. And so I, I'm instituting a rule that you, I, I'm not giving any more until I find that it's depleted. You got it. And she sends me great photos of, of the, and she's an amazing uh, pastry chef and does really cool stuff with it and sends me Snapchats or whatever, the whole process. And that, I love that. I think that's a great feedback loop that I'd encourage people to implement. I scored a really good hunting permission one time where a guy let me on his place, his farm, and I just asked, can I hunt squirrels on your farm? No one else was hunting squirrels. And I got some squirrels and went home and made dinner with the squirrels and texted him a picture of what I made with his squirrels. He texted me back that I could hunt deer and elk on his place or deer, deer and turkeys on his place. Oh, shit. Yeah. He was so impressed. Wow. There you go. Wow. People like to see it. Mm-hmm. 
That's all like, it takes. Yeah. How to score your next deer hunting permission right there. Stephen <laughs> Rennell. <laughs> Text someone a picture of a dead squirrel and he'll let you hunt his place. Yeah, I was going to say, if I like, I, I gave some meat recently to some folks and um, I haven't heard back from them, but it got me thinking because I was going to ask them next time I run into them, you know, what'd you do? How was it? Whatever. Because recently I did that with some other folks that had given meat to maybe six months ago. And I was like, hey, what'd you do with the halibut? Some halibut that you'd given me. And uh, I got the answer like, yeah, we ate it. I was like, you just ate it? That's all you got for me? And I just kind of, in my mind, I was like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? It's good that you told told the story that way because that better reflects, that better reflects what the question was. Because the question was about a a, a gift. And there was no, you know, like, so how was it? There was no. You want the person to be like this. But wait a second. So you re-gifted his halibut, though? Yeah, I know. We didn't dig into that. So how do you feel, how do you about, feel about that? on re-gifting your halibut? Well, no. <laughs> you, you know, I'm, there I you go. If I gave I someone, that's fine. I, just, I only care about the end. If I gave someone something and then they gave it to someone and that person came and was like this to me, that's great. It's just... Knowing that, because in my mind, I'm doing people just a normal good turn, but I'm also doing like, I'm also ele- trying to like publicly elevate the status of the resource. Yeah. So that people will look at the water and look, look at the mountain or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, there's that thing, this thing, this giant, beautiful thing that produced this wonderful thing that I ate, and therefore I recognize the value of the, of the producing habitat. I'm kind of getting at that, and I'm also kind of trying to be like a nice dude. But yeah, like bringing up, like elevating the resources, elevating the things that promote the resources. And so I don't give a shit who in the end winds the up end, right. yeah, yeah. having it. Pay attention here, because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options, like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's dawning. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched Hunt Research Tools 
to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. OnX Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground insight and knowledge and a membership to Hunt Reminder so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools, free for all OnX Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. Another question, and this is like a read, like you and I talked, April, you and I talked about this one a, lot, a long time ago, but this is, this is a good, this is an ethics conundrum where someone, and don't, don't, What's that thing like? Uh, don't like killing the messenger. Be mad. I won't the me- shoot the messenger. Don't, don't shoot that. I'm reading the this. I'm paraphrasing a thing a dude is saying. How the pursuit of whitetails with a bow is one of the only times an inferior implement is considered morally superior. Using a spear would be further inferior and difficult, but there are very few advocating the moral purity of spear hunting. That's like a very legitimate point. Like people feel great about using a bow, but not a gun. But then if you use a spear, you lose all your sponsorships. Remember that dude that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm right. thinking of. Like can I, the dude right? in the can tree I with the spear. People didn't celebrate him. Spear cam. <laughs> people didn't celebrate him. They got blackballed. No. It was immoral. Yeah. So it's like rifle, this kind of moral. Um, bow, this kind of moral. Spear. It's confusing. Where's that? That's always confused me. I've never can, understood that. Adelaide. You can hunt with adelaides in some in states. Some states you can hunt with adelaides. But so is that you, just? Can you? Lon, he's not done. He's not done. Okay. <laughs> Likewise, a person could choose to commute in a Model T or handsaw lumber for a home construction project. Making those choices would certainly make the tasks more arduous. But I doubt anyone considers the Model T commuter stuck in the Lincoln Tunnel to be morally superior. To those in air-conditioned cars. <laughs> Choosing a weapon which increases the perceived personal reward level for the hunter at the expense of a quick and humane kill is a dreadful, selfish act. His words. 
Let the hunt be challenging. Let the terrain be difficult. The game reclusive and wary. The location parallel, perilous to access. Add difficulty to the hunt in places where the quick dispatch of an animal doesn't hang in the balance. When it comes time to complete the most important task of hunting, choosing a weapon with the highest likelihood of an ethical and immediate kill is the highest moral ground. So what's the question? I like this guy. The question is, uh, you had expressed this to me before. I had questioned you before. You questioned about it. I'm just wondering where you're at on it because that like... Yeah, no, like, that's good. I've got a lot to say. Yeah, I put, I, I hold, like I, I struggle with how to, I know that I can tear his argument down. I just know that it's, a, it's hard to do it. Look. I'm going to do it in a minute. Do you want I'm going to try. Go for it. Go no, for no, it. No, no, I want you to go first. Well, I had asked Steve, when I had Steve on my show, I had asked Steve if it was more ethical to kill with a bow or a gun because I hear conflicting reports. And I've only been hunting for, I don't know, four years. So for me, I was hearing all sorts of different reports. And a lot of people were telling me that a bow was more humane. And um, the more I looked into it, the more I was finding that it's actually kind of a gray area. So No, it's not a gray area. Well, Do you think that they, like, look at capital punishment. Do you feel that you could you imagine a situation where they administered capital punishment with archery equipment? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so only if they I... use those guillotine broadheads. <laughs> yeah, the, the guillotine, yeah. The turkey. It'd be like so, a big nine inch cutting blade guillotine broadhead. So, since leaving you and, and looking more into it, like this year I went out with a gun. I was going to fully try to get one with a gun. I get stuck in limited situations. When A, when I've got my baby on my back, I'm obviously stuck with a bow. I'm not going to take a shot with her on my back with a gun. And um, some of the properties that I hunt, like in Australia especially, I can't have a gun. So I'm limited to the bow. Same with obviously different seasons. But if I can take an For me, I want it to be the most, most ethical shot possible. Uh, I know we've had this conversation. You said the animal doesn't care. You know, it's going to die. Yeah. Um, but I would like to get as close to the animal as possible so that I know I'm making the most accurate shot as possible. I don't care if it's a gun or a bow, but I need to know it's the most humane shot that I can make it, given my situation, whether I've got the baby or whether I've got um, property access. It, like, when I think about the question, I think about why like, I see what he's getting at is one thing I think about is I think that he's um, he's stripping this like really complicated thing down to a simple thing. He's like taking something that has many inputs and considerations and acting like the one consideration is like is is how quickly one can administer death to this thing you're trying to hunt for. And it's like I guess you I guess just to give a really honest answer about it is I have a lot of other factors that I'm considering in. And you also, have, you also have like resource level things where the lack of efficacy, if, if, like if, bows, if a bow is less, less effective than a gun, the lack of efficacy allows more people to participate in the activity. That's why in so many places you can get an over, everybody that wants can go archery hunting for something, but everybody that wants can't go rifle hunting for something. It's because the efficacy does it. So if we were really going to play the game to the end, it would probably be that you had to put out like a specific bait laced with, um, like laced with a sleeping agent in a poison. 
if you really, if the only goal was to always like, if, if the only thing that hunters cared about was just like administering death as quickly as possible, you'd use grenade launchers. Well, I think about this or, like, all the You know time. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, if, if, no, I'm saying, if you're going to chase that, if that's going to be the only thing you care about and the only thing you chase, I don't know that we've really arrived at the right answer. I don't think we have. Because it's just more complicated. And I do think that like, if you factor in that, that if, if you hit someone with a bow and you get a shot and you double lung it and it has enough time to go 20 yards and die, or it falls over and dies much more quickly, um, I think that it, hunting is like, there's a selfish act to it. You're like, you're doing a thing for a bunch of personal reasons. And, and, and the reward one gets for doing it in a, in a way, like a difficult way, like a bow, and the amount of discipline and skill that it takes, it's, it's, a, it's a cold calculation. But maybe that reward that one feels outweighs that three seconds of... Extra right, misery. like that gain for you and your calculus outweighs the three seconds of stress that the thing has as it crosses the stage and dies over there. Maybe for some people, not for me. I would take any weapon that I feel I can get the job done with most efficiently, fastest. I just have, I started with a bow and it just kind of stuck from there. First gun I really shot was at your house. Is that right? Yeah. And I still shot that motherfucker in your backyard. <laughs> That's good. Kevin's I want to know when bow hunting became like morally better. Oh, dude, people act survival. like it's way more. Okay, you say a, people, you say people, but what people? Are they all? Are I'm all not going to name names. I'm going to no, name no, 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 names. No, I know, but is there like a group or like can you break it down at all? I feel like non-hunters are more likely to a, hold that perspective. There was just a piece in the Wall Street Journal. That's what I'm hearing. And, yeah. and oh, Sam just hit it on the head. And same reason with why I started with the bow hunting is that I was, everybody would be like, or people I'd meet be like, oh yeah, I hunt, but I'm a bow hunter. So as a non-hunter, someone looking to get into it, I kept hearing this and I thought, well, that's just, I mean, it's the rednecks who sh- shoot guns. Yes. And I heard someone just say fly fishermen. And that, that is, for me, it was a lot of that. A lot of these fly fishermen were getting into, or into bow hunting. And they would, they would say that there were parallels and that it was the equivalent to fly fishing. Um, and they just made it sound like it was more ethical. And that's why I asked you, is it more ethical? Because these bow hunters were saying to me, yeah, you don't interrupt the, the environment, you know, with the sound, which is ridiculous because I was bow hunting all fall and I could hear guns everywhere. Like it didn't, didn't make a difference where I was. Um, but the more I think about just the, I just, I don't know. I don't see how it is more ethical. Can you guys prove me? It's well, not. It's really it's not. Like but theoretically, not. leveling the playing field somehow to people right. that don't hunt, that, or they're like, "Oh, you're giving them, you know, oh, well, I had to sneak up instead of just, you know, you got guys now, 800 yards away, and you know, the whole people, you know, non-hunters. I, you know, I live in Seattle. I'm surrounded by them. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's lots of ways to pass judgment, but it's an easier way to gain some sort of you know, legitimacy to it being is like, well, it's hard. But you I know, didn't it's like the stocking like, up. Like, seriously, it's the, hard. The stocking it up is harder. Is, Let's be straight. It's yeah. a lot harder for me to but hard worry about wind. Hard isn't like, ethical. Hard is not ethical. It's two exactly, different things. But, but you're asking the question as to why it's relevant. Yeah, and, and, and it, is, it is a lot of non-hunters I think that, this that is, bring that forward. And I also think that, like, new hunters too. Like I've had a lot of my friends who have got into hunting in their late twenties, early thirties. And it's been fascinating to me to see the issues they have to wrestle with that have never 
you know, never, never bothered me. Like, you know, like, you know, I, I, I grew up like, like (laughs) shoulder deep in salmon guts and, 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 you know, bonking fish on the head and, and helping butcher deer and, and all that. So like the death part has never, it, it, you know, it, I think I kind of walked over that threshold before I had quite the mental capacity to really wrestle with it. So it's always felt very natural, but people who are coming into it later really have to surpass some of these difficult questions, like how they feel about taking a life just for the sake of sport and sustaining their own life. And I think some people, I think a lot of people feel better about that if it feels more fair to them. Yeah. And what I always say is it, rifle hunting for elk is plenty fair. Like, <laughs> it's I mean, in Washington, it's going to be less than 10% of, of people who buy an elk yeah. tag. No matter where you go, 10 every to 20% year. success rates. Yeah, absolutely. So if you, like, you want to be hard, only walk backward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right. only walk backward with a rifle is yeah. really challenging. Yeah, or be a, re- be a responsible th- rifle hunter like, like you guys do, like a rule you guys have that I've adopted of not taking shots past 400. I mean, I haven't taken a shot past 300 in a long, long long time. It's just the closing the gap. That's all it was for me was closing the gap. I still, if I have a gun in my hand, would rather get closer. Sure. Yeah. I just, for me, it's all about closing the gap. That's the fun part. Okay. If you could, uh, if you could snap your fingers and automatically be an absolute master of one hunting and fishing skill, Mm -hmm. what would the skill be? Stalking. Sneaking up on stuff. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Figuring out how to stay quiet. Stay, keep my heart rate under control. Just like deep breath, see what I'm doing, get the wind right, not let my, the excitement of the moment, just taking that deep breath and figuring out, all right, the wind's this way, I need to go this way. Like my once, I can, because I have good nose, I can, like once I'm in it, all of a sudden my whole game plan in every magazine or book or podcast or thing that I've read goes out the window. And it's like my heart rate's at like 140 and I'm like, ah, you know, and then you're trying to do everything correctly. Yeah, if I could just stay calm for a minute, that would be mine. Are, are you hip to uh, guys that have been using beta blockers to do that? Well, define beta blockers. I've pretty much tried everything. No, it's like, what, what the hell is a beta? It's like, it's like a medication. People yeah. take the medication for some reasons, then find that they don't get buck fever anymore. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're not like, there's, it's a banned substance. Like people that shoot uh, competitive pistol shooting and stuff, they can't use beta blockers. Okay. Calms you down too much. Maybe I should look into beta blockers. Yeah. Guys talk about get. no, dudes say that their doctor would put them on a beta blocker and all of a sudden they realize that when a buck comes in, they don't get panicky. Mm. As panicky. Uh, I don't get panicky. I just get, you know, in the moment you're there. I just wish I was better. If, yeah, one skill. Quiet and just quiet as a generality. Mentally quiet. Mentally quiet. And then also just to be able to read this, this circumstance. I think if, if the, the one thing, like the thing that I missed out on is, um, and was lazy about is all forms of calling. Mm. Because I always was, for whatever reason, uh, would be with someone who is better at it than me and then let them be the one that did it. Yeah. <laughs> I got that, a buddy. And that, perpe- and that like went on and on and on. That went on and on and on. And now here I'm in like my forties and I've always like my early when I was a little kid, my brother Danny was a really good caller. So we hunted dogs. He just called 
I just shut up because Danny was good at it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, hunting elk with Giannis. Giannis is a great caller, so he just calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, missing out on, like, like that, that, and it's never too late, but that, that I didn't cultivate that skill, mm-hmm. and I'm only now just like a, you know. Getting better at it. Well, I kind of suck at it, but, I mean, I make up for it mm-hmm. in other ways a little bit. But, yeah, mm-hmm. that was, that's been a real miss, man. Mm-hmm. I like I'm. The, I'm sorry. sorry to interrupt, but the process is fun. I mean, I get this game, and I enjoy playing the game and just throwing out something that we could just, like, not have to learn and experience to get better. <laughs> but, like, if we're not sitting here saying that we don't enjoy, like, going through learning buck fever and how to, you know, get over it and learning calls for, I mean, yeah, we've been at it for 20 years now of, like, this freaking latex and glue in our mouths just, yeah, 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 rock, rock. You know, just over and over and over, and and but like you got to enjoy that that not being good and becoming good. I think that process, mm. right? Yeah, I think the journey was seemed hard for me. You know, that's my regret. You didn't There's, enjoy it. <laughs> no, I didn't enjoy it. You got one? Yeah, I, I, I if I could and snap my fingers and become a master or something, I'd improve my my archery shot. I've been doing I've been doing a archery league at that little uh, shop down the street from the office. Yeah. And God, I've been a mess. Like, I, cause I, I archery practice has always been a, like a solitary thing for me. I'd like either shoot my backyard growing up or go out to the range in Missoula by myself, but shooting with <laughs> the last week they had like a, they had like a steel barrel on a swivel that would like go around and both ends were cut off and it would like, it wasn't. It wasn't like a slow spit. Oh my god! It threw me to. What the hell is that supposed to teach you how to do? Well, I don't. I don't know. Like uh, as like an elk passes through the gap. Oh, like but, shoot, but, shooting but, like, fish having, in a but, like, shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, having a bunch of people around and like you know coming into it cold. Like the first day, I I rolled up and I was already late. Everybody had started, and I like pull out my bow and get ready. I'm like, oh, all broadheads, great, and one still has elk lung all over it. <laughs> Um, and so it's just, I, I just, uh, yeah, I could do so much to be a better bow shot. I've been doing it for 15 years and still feel like I have a long ways to go to reach the, you know, those, that 10,000 hours or reach mastery. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I want to touch on and then we're going to play our game. I don't get to go. Oh, you just did it, didn't you? No. What was my thing that I was going to become better? The process of calling. I was just enjoying go, the process. You, you can go three <laughs> times. I don't care. Go he, ahead. He, was he, he wants mine. to master enjoying the process of learning things. No, yeah, please. All you um, want. If I could just snap my fingers and just like one thing I could just master in the whole hunting and fishing world, it would just be how to uh, manifest and just conjure up animals. Like when I look at that hill and be like, there he is. Always Your about dad, the manifestations. His dad knows how to manifest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, in all, in all seriousness, it'd be tracking. Tracking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To have that skill just to, like, without even, like, bending over from six foot to, well, my eyes are probably at six feet, just to look down and be able to just to see, you know. Which way? Way ahead. Just follow, you know. The best, guy, the, the best people I know at it are people that were fur trappers. Yes, I agree. Because just like for hours every day, hours every day. Yeah, you being one of those people. And little teeny clues, man. Little teeny clues. Um, okay, we got to do our deal. Oh, how are we going to, you know what we didn't do? Uh-oh. 
Son of a... I don't know what we didn't do. <laughs> Giving stuff away. To, 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 to do seeing through the bullshit. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, but there's a thing I want to talk about real quick because so many people have written in about it. This is, like the, this is one of those... You guys don't need to say anything. But we've had so many people write in about uh, a border wall on our southern border. Like, what does a border wall mean for wildlife? And like, every day someone writes in a box that's been in the news so much about whether we're going to build the border wall or not. But I find that people get mad. Like, people don't want to hear the answer. They don't want to hear about it because they don't want it to um, challenge however they feel about it. Because you could have a, you could have, there's a very legitimate argument to be made that you'd want to build a border wall and you should be able to think that while knowing everything that that would mean, right? Like, if you're saying to, if you're talking with your spouse about whether you're going to go on vacation, and you decide, like, we're going to go on vacation, and then someone points out, well, if we go on vacation, we're going to have less money in our savings account. No one gets mad at you for pointing that out. So does the wall affect wildlife? Like, how could it, like, absolutely it does. It cuts off, like, people keep writing in about it like it's some kind of mystery, you're denying access to water to certain things, and you're preventing the movement of animals. And since, since the dawn of time, wildlife has moved freely back and forth across the border. And like jaguars come in and out, ocelots come in and out, desert bighorns, pronghorns, coos deer, mule deer, in some places even bison, um, and then historically, you had species that would, like, for instance, at the, they think that at the end of the Pleistocene, we lost mountain lions in what's now the lower 48, and mountain lions only lived to the south and then recolonized back and forth. So there's always been this exchange going on. Um, and if you are saying you want to, if one's going to build an impenetrable wall, you're going to impede the exchange. But that does, that's not like solving the question of whether it needs to happen in my mind, but it's just like a factor that one has to weigh. But like people get pissed when you bring it up. I think you could bring it up and realize that that's the truth and still think that that's what you want to do, but it's just the reality. I know guys who hunt that border country, who live down there, who are super worried about it. Think worried it's gonna, about the Yeah, thinks, think it's going to mess up their deer hunting. Yeah. yeah. I know people who are worried about uh, people coming across yeah, I know those people too. in that danger and worried about the danger of wildlife. It's just yeah. a big, it's just a big, it's a, it's a messy issue. Yeah. But people write in acting as though like there's like this sort of debatable answer, but I feel like it's like not debatable. It would be, it would have implications for wildlife. But Could now we're going to play scene. like doggy doors or something to, yeah. <laughs> That's what I keep wondering about, man. I even heard a guy. I even heard a guy making the case. Caller? Yeah, a special code that yeah. only animals. Yeah, you figure know. out how to make yeah. a doggy door for desert uh, mule deer and yeah, yeah. 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 code doggy door little thing. I've even heard people talk about uh, the, the implications for lo-fiing birds and insects. But yeah, doggy no, doors. Those guys good. I'm talking about are hardcore quail hunters who hunt like right down by the border. And I mean, I can't imagine quail couldn't figure it out. But they don't tend to fly super high, so yeah. might be problematic. I don't know. How are we going to pick someone to play seeing through the bullshit? I got it figured out. Do it. I'll, I'll combine it with our other uh, thing that we're going to do. Oh. You like that? I love it. 
And I'm just gonna go for the upper end of that. Yep. You got it? All right, so a couple things we're gonna do tonight. Well, I'm just gonna bring everybody down first. Okay, if it's your birthday today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today, come on down to the stage. Is there anybody in the house whose birthday is it today? Oh, yeah. What day is it? All right, I see my one. Birthday. birthday? Two. That's it? We need the oldest person who's having a birthday. Come on now. But then you're disqualified. You're disqualified from the other thing you get for having a birthday. Oh, I was just going to be super nice to them and and hook them up. Zora, come down. How many we got? Looks like. Oh, I see more more movement. How old are you? Does that change? 35. 35? Is anybody older than 35 today? Oh, there it is. They're coming down. They'll be about an hour and they'll be down here. (laughs) Tell them the rules, Giannis. For seeing through the bullshit? Yep. All right. We're going to play a game called Seeing Through the Bullshit. You might also know it as a... uh, I've never played the drinking version um, of Two Lies and a Truth. Have you? No. Anybody here? Good guy. Oh. Oh, how old are you? 30. 30. He's 35. 35. That's all right. That's all right. (laughs) Hang out. Hang out. We got more, though, right? We got one coming down from the... We got an old timer coming from up high. Okay. So tell them the rules. Um, so whoever we choose to uh, pick, we're going to tell you guys uh, two lies and one truth. And then if you can guess which one is the true story. Then you've seen through the bullshit. You've seen through the bullshit. Which is brought to you, you by get Vortex. To get to take home this brand new pair of Fury laser range finding binoculars that will laser range find reflective stuff at 5,000 yards. And dear... At 1,000 plus, Steve was hitting some coos deer in January um, at like 1,100 with these suckers. Gar- uh, lifetime warranty. How old are you? 26. Ow. Boom. How old are you? Oh, get out nice. of here. Ah. No one's going to beat that. No, he's not. All right. <laughs> Steve. Coming up. I'm getting yeah. up. Okay, cool. Oh, you're giving up your spot? I am. Okay, so... What happened to our person? She's coming. Coming. She's coming. She's coming back. Coming up the stairs. There it is. Come on out. What's your name? I got a C for you right here. <laughs> Hi. It's fun from here, isn't it? Nice to meet you. Hey there. Take my seat. Take my hand. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy Boom. birthday. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So, uh, what's your name? Clary. Clary. Okay. Clary, we're going to tell you closest I'm going to sit, sister. just so she knows, I'm going to sit close to her so that possibly they can pick up her voice on my microphone. Are you comfortable with that? Yes, of course. Okay. Where are you you're from? Not, uh, you're not American. England. England. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. <We're... laughs> All these stories are distinctly American. How long have you been here? 16 years. Oh, okay. You're good. Oh, you're okay, up to speed. Great. All right. Did you hear the rules for the game? No. Oh, okay. You were busy walking down. <laughs> busy running down. So we're going to tell you, um, who's telling them? Sam? April? I'm going to tell a story. April's going to tell a story. No, oh, know. no. Sam, Sam's I'm going to tell a story. Sam's going to tell a story. Giannis is going to tell a story. One of them is true. Okay. You just need to identify the true one. We'll start with Giannis. Okay. Um, Everybody knows that you can take uh, goats and put them in a pen. Goats. And goats, yes. And force them to eat knapweed and other types of weeds. And then 
you can let them, they'll, they'll sort of become accustomed to it and that'll become their diet. When you cut them loose out in the wild, they'll eat the weeds and they don't eat the native. And that's a way that we, here in the States, we get rid of weeds out on, you know, wide open pastures in the forest. Are so you tracking that? That sounds very clever. Yeah. Okay. It is. Well, it gets better. So the, we, there's a problem here in Washington where there's a pod of orcas. You may have heard of the southern pod. Is that southern resident. Southern resident pod that only eat Chinook sal- salmon, right? Have you heard about this? No. Oh, well. Th- Hold on a minute. One minute. You people just. <laughs> you guys are going to be a. You guys are going to be allowed to help later. We're going to let you help later, but let us get through the stories before you start yelling. You all. (laughs) I wouldn't trust them quite yet because they have no idea. You mean you men and women and everything in between. Yes. Hunters and huntresses. Thank you. Hunters, huntresses. Make it go away. Okay, so, so, so. Even you irrational ones out there. Um. Okay, so there's the state of Washington, they, they got a problem with these orcas because there's not enough salmon for them to eat. So they're getting skinny and they, they're, they're not doing well. So um, there's another pot of orcas out that, that go up and down the coast that eat mammals like uh, sea lions, seals, and whatnot. So what they're thinking about doing is uh, making a net and, and capturing a few of these southern pod orcas and actually taking seals that they've caught and like cutting off a fin or a chunk of the tail and putting it in the, the net with these orcas to sort of start f- getting the orcas to feed on these, um, the seals to then turn them into predators that work off of seals and not be just, you know, so, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Reliant We're reliant on, on the salmon. Okay. okay. They're just looking into that. Okay. That's fine. Now, you're familiar with the state of Wyoming. Okay, there's a big reservoir called Flaming Gorge in Wyoming. A dude is there fishing, and he cuts his thumb off on his boat prop in July. Okay? That winter, a feller is fishing through the ice and catches a lake trout, opens its gut up, and finds a thumb in its gut. They connect the feller that lost his thumb with the feller that found the thumb. The guy comes and has a look, and he says, I think that's my thumb. (laughs) And he now keeps the thumb in a jar of formaldehyde on his mantelpiece. (laughs) That's possible. Okay. Sam? So are you familiar with Catalina Island off of Southern California? Yes, I know where it is. So for a very long time, they've had problems with feral goats eating, the, yes, <laughs> big, big problems. They can't get rid of them. It's a big island, very rugged terrain. They've tried all sorts of different solutions for getting rid of them. Back in the 70s, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service proposed planting coyotes on the island, which would naturally kind of take care of the goats. But obviously they're worried about creating a new invasive species. So what they proposed to do was plant a subcutaneous cyanide pill 
inside the coyote's digestive tract that would break down over the years, so after they'd done their jobs, they would expire. (laughs) (laughs) Coyotes with cyanide? No, I don't think so. Yeah, because somebody else would then eat them, and then they die. You may be unfamiliar with the goofy stuff wild game managers have done in this country. We're talking about the 70s. That's when animals were harmed in the making of movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, That's so when they were the capturing... Man that got his thumb back from the belly of a lake trout or the uh, orca project that they're going to start feeding them new um, cut-up seals to get them to turn them into better predators or the cyanide pill-filled coyotes. I'm going with the thumb. You got it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but here's okay. Here's the thing. They are. Someone in Australia is looking at how to do a time capsule death dingo. That's where we got it from. That's where we got it from. Yeah, it won't happen it. though. It won't yeah. happen. I guess Australia's bigger than Catalina. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, what are you gonna do with those? <laughs> you win a prize. A really nice prize. They, it's a pair of binoculars that have a laser rangefinder built into them. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, did you? I was just going to ask, are you sure you came to the right yeah, show no, tonight? Like, <laughs> I've been looking at my ticket thinking, when are they going to start singing? You know? <laughs> That's coming next. You're like, where's yeah. the part where they're like, don't cry for me, Argentina? <laughs> oh. for my husband. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Right, guys, everybody. Thank you Appreciate it. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to deck.com slash meat eater. Get yourself some free shipping.